Please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We are again taking a little detour from Matthew. Luke chapter 1. Last year, uh, on the Sunday before Christmas, we were uh, in uh, Luke chapter 1 as well. And so I'm just going to continue where I left off from a year ago at looking at the birth story of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country in a town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Mm, mm, mm. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His slave. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich He has sent empty away. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. Father, we are so thankful that we have You, the infinite God, who alone can satisfy our soul. That we have You, who alone can move someone to pray this way. That we have You, who alone could move a a teenage girl to praise Your name this way. Lord, there is no one like You. There is no one who compares with You And God, we along with Mary delight in You. Our soul magnifies You. You are our King. You are our Lord. You are God. And You have done great things for us. 
Lord, you have worked such a great reversal for us in saving us from our sins and saving us from your wrath. Lord, there are people here this morning who are longing for more grand reversals in their lives. And Lord, we pray that You would grant those. God, we pray that You would save sinners. We pray that You would save husbands that don't know You, God. That You would do what seems impossible. That You would cause dead men to be born again. Lord, there are those who suffer from hard providences and hard diseases and pray for reversals, God. Lord, we pray for reversal. We pray for healing and help. Lord, there are things in all of our lives that we wish would change sins and Struggles and hardships and pains and losses that we want reversed. And Lord, you're the only one that can do it. For nothing shall be impossible with God. And so, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, you would come during our time this morning and we would hear from you. Holy Spirit, that you would apply your word to my heart and our hearts. God, that You would sanctify us. That You would make us more humble. God, that You would move us now to worship You. That our soul would cry out. Our spirit would magnify You. That we would fear You. That we would humble ourselves before You. That we would trust You. That we would delight in You. That we would fear You. And follow You and love You as we should. And so God, do this work in our hearts. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. Mark Jones wrote these words about the incarnation. The incarnation is simply the infleshing of God. It's what we celebrate at Christmas time and every time that God took on flesh. He writes, the incarnation was, for the Son of God, a humiliation beyond compare. The Son who thirsted was the same who made water. The Son who was too tired to carry His cross was the same who upholds the entire world by the word of His power. The Son whose side was pierced was the same who gave breath and life to the One who pierced Him. The incarnation of the Son of God in this world of sin and misery was truly an act of humiliation. It began as His birth and continued to His death and burial. All that belongs to God, Jesus possesses. All that makes someone truly human, Jesus possesses. Jesus learned and Jesus knew all things. Jesus died, and Jesus gives life to all living creatures. Jesus drank from His mother's breast, and Jesus provided His mother with the milk to feed Him. Only the incarnation of the Son of God can explain such statements. Oh, beloved, there is no one like Jesus. Herman Bovink wrote, Christ The incarnate Word is the eternal fact of the entire history of the world. 
And this is what we come to celebrate today and every day. Last year, as I said, we meditated on Gabriel's announcement to Mary that though she was a virgin, the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the power of the Most High would overshadow her and she would conceive a son to be named Jesus. For He shall save His people from their sins. He would be holy and the Son of God. And, and Gabriel told her in Luke 1, 32-33, He will be great and He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to Him the throne of His father David and He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of His kingdom there will be no end. And later the angel said in verses 36-38, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing shall be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the slave of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And what did Mary do? We see in our text today. This year we see the now pregnant Mary goes and visits the now pregnant Elizabeth. Two amazing reversals in themselves. Elizabeth, an older barren woman who couldn't have children and God miraculously grants her conception. And Mary, a virgin, never having known a man. God even more miraculously grants conception. And so they visit and in that visit, we see Mary erupts in a beautiful song of praise known as the Magnificat. Coming from the first phrase in the song, My soul magnifies the Lord. I tried to think of a, a concise statement of what I'm trying to get across in this sermon. And it's not that concise. So I have a, I have a bigger one and then a smaller one. This is the bigger one. God's mighty and merciful reversals for us in Christ enable us and move us to true heart worship that magnifies God. Fear of God, humility, trust, joy, prayer, praise, poetry, songs, and love. That's the long one. But they tell me in preaching class, Joseph, you got to shorten it. you got to shorten it. Okay. This is the short version. God's mercy forms and fuels true worship. God's mercy forms and fuels true worship. Point number one of two points, a joyful meeting. This is the visitation. Look again with me at verses 39 through 45. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Beloved, notice Mary goes to visit her relative Elizabeth. And in this visitation, you have an old barren woman who is now pregnant 
uh, and a young teenager who is a virgin who is also pregnant, and they rejoice in God together for this great reversal of God. This great working of God who does the impossible, giving an elderly barren woman child and causing a virgin to conceive. God is in the business of reversing things, of giving hope where there is no hope, of doing the impossible for the glory of His name and the good of His people. And we see these reversals throughout Scripture. And Mary, in her song, highlights these kinds of glorious reversals. Beloved, notice also that John the Baptist is a human baby in Elizabeth's womb. At the greeting of Mary, the baby leaps joy. John is a baby in the womb, not a clump of cells. This verse could be a whole sermon on our pro-life Sunday about abortion. This is a baby in the womb. Babies feel joy. And babies feel pain in the womb. John leaps for joy. Babies have joy. He leaps for joy. He is not a clump of sails. He's a baby who feels pain, who feels joy, who can leap. Friends, abortion is murder that cuts off those legs that leaps and cuts off those arms and beheads that child and pulls the baby out piece by piece. And we should grieve over it. Because 65 million babies will not celebrate Christmas tomorrow because they were murdered. And we vote for it. May God have mercy on His church and on this country, on the world. And He does if you trust in Christ. He does if you trust in Christ. You can be saved. You can be forgiven. No matter what you've done. John the Baptist, a baby in the womb, notice, is the first person recorded in Scripture to rejoice in Jesus. <laughs> Beloved, notice this uh, from the text. Jesus brings joy. <laughs> Jesus brings real joy. Not that fake joy that you know you got a, hey, happy Christmas. Uh, no, no. Real joy that actually makes you leap. Like leap because you're so happy. Have you ever done that? Has something ever happened in your life that you are so happy about? What? It's happened to me before. Has it ever happened to you? What does it for you? Oh, friend, Jesus should do it more than anything, shouldn't He? Shouldn't He do it more than anything? Shouldn't He do it more than the Eagles winning? Shouldn't He do it more than, than, than getting engaged? Shouldn't He do it more than getting married? Shouldn't He do it more than having a child? Shouldn't Jesus do it more than anything? Just make your soul erupt with joy? Kids, have you experienced that yet? What, what gives you joy, kids? Boy, when I was your age, it was Friday nights. No school tomorrow. Woo! Having a sleepover with somebody. My friends are coming over. We're going to hang out. We're going to play football. That gave me joy. 
food gave me joy. Jesus gives more joy. Jesus gives more joy, real joy. True, deep, lasting joy. And, and, and John the Baptist is the first person recorded in the Scripture to rejoice in Jesus come in the flesh. Though Jesus is still in His mother's womb. God Himself is to be our full and complete happiness. As old writers have said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Thee. Philip Ryken writes, Not yet born already, John prophesies, wrote Maximus Turin. John the Baptist is already prophesying as a prophet in the womb. And while still in the enclosure of his mother's womb, confesses the coming of Christ with movements of joy. John the Baptist was the only child ever to use a womb for a pulpit. In the liquid darkness of his mother's womb, the unborn child kicked for joy, leaping at the sound of Mary's voice. And in this way, preparing people for the coming of Christ. Beloved, we were told this was going to happen. In Isaiah, we were told, Isaiah 35, 4-6, Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy? Beloved, does God make you do that? I, was, I, I heard a question this week. What, 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 think back over the, the times of your lives when you felt and experienced the most intense joy. Think about that. What are the times in your life when you have experienced the most intense, deep, satisfying joy? Is God there? Or is it something else? And I was convicted. I was convicted of sin. That I know I've, I've, I've had joy. Other people have given me more joy. I've been more excited about people sometimes than Christ. Father, forgive me. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And grant me more joy in You, infinitely more than anything else. You might need to confess your sin to God as well. Because Psalm 16 and 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In Your presence there is fullness of joy. At Your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Pray that God would give you that this year. If, if you're depressed, if you're sad, if you're down, if you're lonely... Pray that God would give you joy in Jesus that is, that is unexplainable. In all your circumstances, all your pains, all your losses, all the bad things going on in your life, Lord, give me an indomitable joy, an unshakable joy, an unchanging joy, because you never change. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Pray that God would give you that. He can do the impossible. Pray for that, beloved. Pray that you would have that true joy that calls you to leap like John. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive our King. Let every heart prepare Him room and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Beloved, notice in this text also that the triune God is at work. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Ghost. I like how Anthony said it one time in the creed. 
the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary is called the mother of my Lord. The mother of my Lord. And this all fulfills what Mary was told by the Lord. Father God prophesying through the prophets and telling us this was going to happen. And Mary believed it. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at work bringing about redemption. One God, three persons. Saving sinners. Beloved, notice that Elizabeth confesses Jesus is Lord. Look at verse 43 again. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Beloved, notice that Elizabeth is humble. She, she ha- has no pretense, no, no, no uh, entitlement. Why would you come and visit me? Why would you come and, and see me? How, how is this? She, she's a humble woman and, and she confesses. She's the first to confess that Jesus is Lord. Like David said in Psalm 110, David referred to the Messiah as my Lord. And here Elizabeth confesses that Jesus is Lord. You must confess that to be saved. You must confess that to be saved. And when we confess Him as as Lord, it means we're going to do what He says. We're going to follow Him by His grace and for His glory. Notice Elizabeth blesses Mary in our text. Verse 42, Blessed are you among women. This shows that Jesus is the greater than John. Jesus is greater than John. Because Elizabeth is the one who's blessing Mary. And Mary is blessed. She is blessed. She's a child of God. She trusts the Lord's promises. She believes in God and follows Him. And she is going to bear the Christ child. She is blessed. Mary's blessed. Protestants have to work. say that. It's in the Bible. You need to be able to say it. Mary's blessed. The Bible says it. We believe it. That settles it. This does not mean that Mary was sinless. The Roman Catholic Church wrongly teaches something called the Immaculate Conception. That's not referring to Jesus. That is a false doctrine of Mary being conceived without sin. That is not true. In verse 47, Mary calls God my Savior. Mary needed to be saved. She needed to be saved, and Jesus is her Savior. God is her Savior. She was a faithful believer in the Lord. Verse 45, she, blessed is she who believed. She believed God's promises. And she is very highly favored. Verse 48, from now on, all generations, all generations, that means this generation, <laughs> will call me blessed. The Lord is with her. She bore the Christ child. She's blessed and highly favored. But beloved, note this. Jesus says that we can all be even more blessed than Mary. Jesus says later in Luke's Gospel that we all can be even more blessed than Mary. Look at Luke eleven twenty-seven through 28 Jesus is there 
teaching like no man ever taught, speaking like no man ever spoke. And in Luke eleven twenty seven through 28, this woman cries out about Mary. Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But how does Jesus respond to that? But He said, Blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. Blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and keep it, beloved. Do you hear the Word of God and keep it? You're blessed. You're a blessed people. Philip Ryken writes, as blessed as it was for Mary to nurse Jesus at her breast, it is even more blessed to hear and to do the Word of God. As Augustine said, Mary was more blessed in accepting the faith of Christ than in conceiving the flesh of Christ. Friend, if you're here this morning and you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, I, I want to ask you, why have you not accepted Jesus Christ by faith yet? I want to urge you to accept Jesus Christ by faith today. I was out running yesterday up around the reservoir on 5th Street. And as is my custom, I take my gospel tracks. And as I meet people walking, I'll, I'll, I'll slow down and, Hey, would you like information about the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm a pastor down the street. would love to invite you. And this man, he took one. But he, I'll take one if you'll take one of mine. And he reached into his wallet and he pulled out this little card here. And it says... Jesus was the name of the slave ship captain captain by Sir John Hawkins in 1564 by appointment of the Queen of England. This guy don't like Jesus. And I had a quick thing to say. Think about what you would say. I, I briefly, I could tell he didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> he wasn't very happy about Jesus. And I just said many people have done wicked things in the name of Jesus. So this guy's saying, why would I want your Jesus, bro? Jesus was the name of a slave ship. And they would actually use this to, 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 to lie to West Africans. Come find salvation in Jesus and get on this ship. And I looked it up. It's true. <laughs> there was a slave ship called Jesus. That's taking the Lord's name in vain, isn't it? That's wicked. That's wicked. That's evil. But it only points to the truth of the Bible and that we need Jesus. That men are that wicked. That men are that cruel. That, that men are that blasphemous. To do things like that simply points to the fact that they need Jesus. This guy I spoke to needs Jesus. The true Jesus. The real Jesus. The glorious Jesus. The Savior Jesus. The God-man Jesus. You ready to answer questions like that? People have done wicked things in Jesus' name and it points to the fact that men are wicked. And friend, those who are unbelievers here today, you're wicked. You're wicked. That man is wicked that gave you this. I ran back around and he'd thrown my little card on the ground. I picked it back up. 
give to the next person. He's wicked. He's a wicked, godless, hateful man toward Jesus. And he needs to be saved. Friend, if you're without Christ, you're wicked. You're a sinner. And the Bible says we all start out that way. The Bible teaches this so clearly. We are all born wicked. We are all born Jesus haters. And we make all kinds of excuses for our Jesus hatred. Oh, well, if these wicked men hadn't done that, I would believe in Jesus. No, you wouldn't. You hate Jesus and you find a reason to hate Him. And if you didn't have this, you'd find another reason to hate Him. We're born haters of God, the Bible says. Enemies of God. We would kill God if we could. And when God showed up, they did kill Him. We sin against God in thought, word, and deed. God deserves our praises like Mary gives. He deserves our songs of praise and adoration. He he deserves our worship, but we turn away from Him and sin. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who seeks God. All have turned astray. Friend, that's you if you're outside of Christ, and that was all of us at one point in our lives. Without hope and without God in the world, children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God who is rich in mercy. Because of His great love with which He loved us, He he made a way for us not to be sent to hell. He he, he made a way so that that's that's not the end of the story. I pray that it's not the end of the story for that man. That he gets saved. That he's going to be here in 2024 worshiping Jesus because he's going to get the story straight. A great reversal. We pray for that. God would be just to cast us all into hell. But He chose to send His Son, Jesus Christ, the God-man, to save sinners, to save slave ship captains like John Newton. You ever sing the hymn Amazing Grace? John Newton was one of these slave ship captains and he got saved. He got born again. And now we sing his song. Because when you get born again, you write poetry. You write hymns. You got to sing about him. Like Mary, John Newton wrote a hymn. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a not so good person like me. That's what all the modern churches and people want to do. They want to take out that saved a wretch like me. You take that out, you make God's joy paper thin. You take away hell and you make your joy in Christ paper thin. No, we're wretches. We're vile. We deserve hell. But God loves us still. And He sent His Son, Jesus, the God-man. Truly God and truly man. Jesus perfectly obeyed the law of God. The people of God in Jesus' day were doing wicked things in God's name as well. But He died for sinners. He died and bore the wrath of God, the hell of God, the judgment of God. He bore that in His body on the tree and died and was buried. And on the third day, He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. Everybody else is dead or will die. Jesus is alive. He conquered sin, death, and hell. And He ascended into heaven 
and, and, and received all authority in heaven and on earth and rules and reigns and intercedes for us. And He's calling all people everywhere to turn from your hatred of God, to turn from your rebellion, to turn from your coldness toward God and come to Christ and trust Him and be forgiven. Be forgiven. Be forgiven of, of the wickedness of blaspheming God's name like Sir John Hawkins did. To be forgiven of sins like abortion. To be forgiven of sins like pride and arrogance. To be forgiven of sins like trusting in riches. To be forgiven of sins, all manner of sexual sins. To be forgiven, we can be forgiven. No matter what we've done. Friend, no matter what you've done, you can be forgiven. God is more ready to show you mercy than you are to ask for forgiveness. God loves to forgive, loves to save. You can't earn this. You can't work for it. You can't come to church enough. You can't sing enough. You, you can't pray enough. You can simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. By faith alone. Would you do that today, friend? If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, I urge you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in Him who said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Find me afterwards. Find another believer afterwards. We want to talk with you and pray with you that you will leave this place leaping for joy in your Savior. And He will reverse your life forever. God's mighty and merciful reversals for us in Christ enable us and move us to true heart worship that magnifies God, fear of God, humility, trust, joy, prayer, praise, poetry, songs, and love. God's mercy forms and fuels true worship. Point number two. Point number two. Mary praises God with a song. This is called the Magnificat. It's, it's from the Latin. Magnificat comes from the Latin word for magnify. Look, look at verses 46 through 55 again. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His slave. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is His name. And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in the remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. What God has done in Christ, beloved, ought to move us to sing. What God has done in Christ ought to move us to sing. Brother Ted did it earlier in this sermon. I, we, we, were, we were at Risen Christ Fellowship on Friday night and the pastor was preaching. I just wanted to start singing during the sermon. See Him in Jerusalem walking where the crowds are. Brother Ted was about to sing something while I was preaching. 
John Piper knew he was called to be a pastor and stop being a professor because he was teaching exegesis on the, I think it was Ephesians. And, 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 and just spontaneously, his class began to sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Beloved, does God ever just move you to sing like that? The world sings. They sing, don't they? They sing about lovers and they sing about love and they sing about falling in love and they sing about the eagles fly, eagles fly. I mean, they have things to sing about. Oh, friend, we got something better. <laughs> we got something better to sing about. I'm telling you, we got something better that should put a song in our heart. Phil Riken writes, Mary's song is the first of four nativity hymns in Luke's gospel. Mary's song, Zachariah's song, the angel's song, Simeon's song. Graham Scogie rightly identifies these Christmas carols as the last of the Hebrew psalms and the first of the Christian hymns. Luke included these lyrics because he understood that the gospel is and must be a musical. What God has done in Christ demands to be praised. It is not enough simply to say what God has done to save us. What He has done also needs to be celebrated in song. And, and men, let me say something. Men sing. Don't think men, singing is effeminate, men. Who, who, who is one of the greatest songwriters and singers in the Bible? David. Saul killed his thousands. David killed his ten thousand. David was a man's man. He was a warrior and he sang his heart out. To glorify his God. So men, shout it out. Well, I don't sound very good. Shout it out anyway. Praise God with a joyful noise. Jesus is worthy of song. What God has done is worthy of songs. And, and, and beloved, our songs ought to bleed Bible. Do you know, did you notice how much Bible is in this song of Mary? Our songs, our prayers, our preaching, our teaching ought to bleed Bible. Again, Phil Riken, the Magnificat either quotes for, from or alludes to verses from Genesis, Deuteronomy, 1st and 2nd Samuel, most notably Hannah's song in 1st Samuel 2, Job, Psalms, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Micah, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. Mary tried to put virtually the whole Bible into her song. Some scholars even, oh, Mary couldn't have wrote this. This teenager, this uneducated teenager, Jewish teenager, girl, she are you, wrote this? Yeah, because they raised him right back then. Yes, yeah, she did, bro. She did, Mr. Scholar. Much learning makes a lot of people mad. They raised him right back then. They pumped him full of Bible. Micah, how many books you know about heart? Where's Micah? How many, you, James, you did, uh, what else? Philippians. Philippians. The whole book. Not all of it, but most of it. Praise God. They raised him right back then. They had him memorizing Bible. They had him memorizing books of the Bible. That's why she could do that. She was filled with Bible. As, as, as I think Spurgeon said of Bunyan, when you prick him, he bleeds Bible. His blood's Bibline. May we have Bible-saturated teenagers. May we be Bible-saturated people. Amen. Beloved, again, why well, I encourage you to read the Bible this year. Memorize Romans 8 this year. 
We want to be Bible-saturated people so that when we sing songs, Bible comes out. And when we pray prayers, beloved, if you want to learn to pray, just open the Bible and pray it. Pray the words of God. And, and in this song, what does Mary do? Well, she, she magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. Now, now, there are two ways you can magnify something. With a microscope, where something's teeny tiny wincy, like bacteria, and you've got to use a microscope to, to make it really look big so you can see it. That, that's one way to magnify something. That ain't how we magnify God. Because He ain't small. He big. He big like that black hole out there. And we need a telescope. To bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supplies, as S.M. Lockridge would say. We need a telescope to magnify that ginormous black hole, that ginormous supernova that's way out there because God is big like that. And so we need to magnify, we magnify God like a telescope to help people see the great bigness of what he really is. He's bigger than all your problems. He's bigger than all your problems. He's bigger than all your needs. He's bigger than all your fears, all your worries. As Anthony likes to say, he's the biganator. He's the biganator. Not the baconator. He's the biganator. That means he's bigger than everything. Yes. Yes. John Piper taught me this analogy with the microscope and the telescope. He says this, there are two kinds of magnifying, microscope magnifying and telescope magnifying. The one makes a small thing look bigger than it is. The other makes a big thing begin to look as big as it really is. When David says, I will magnify God with thanksgiving, he does not mean I will make a small God look bigger than he is. He means I will make a big God begin to look as big as he really is. We are not called to be microscopes. We are called to be telescopes. Christians are not called to be con men who magnify their product out of all proportion to reality when they know the competitor's product is far superior. There is nothing and nobody superior to God. And so the calling of those who love God is to make His greatness begin to look as great as it really is. That's why we exist. Why we were saved. As Peter says in 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim His excellencies, the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. The whole duty of Christians can be summed up in this. Feel, think, and act in a way that will make God look as great as He really is. Be a telescope for the world of the infinite starry wealth of the glory of God. This is what it means for a Christian to magnify God. And this is what Mary's doing. She's showing God to be as great as He really is. Show Him to be as great as He really is. That's why Job so magnified God when he lost everything. And he said, the Lord is given, the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That makes God look great. When you lose everything precious to you and you say God is enough. May God give us the grace to do that. God's mighty and merciful reversals for us in Christ enable us and move us to true heart worship that magnifies God. 
Fear of God, humility, trust, joy, prayer, praise, poetry, songs, and love. God's mercy forms and fuels true worship. God's mercy forms. In other words, beloved, we can't, we can't even begin to worship God aright until He has mercy on us in Christ. We, we can't sing His praises and honor and adore Him with our lives unless He first saves us by grace alone through faith alone. And then we see Him and it fuels our worship as we worship Him for who He is. Beloved, notice Mary magnifies the Lord from the depths of her heart, the depths of her inner being. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Again, friend, you know what moves you. Think about the times in your life when you've been moved from your inner being. Think about it. Is it when you proposed and she said, I will? Boom! Like an eruption of joy. She said, yes! Your soul magnifies her and your love together. Maybe it was when you saw that first child. Heidi and Isaac, right? They just had baby Malachi. Malachi Ephraim. Wanjala. And you see that baby for the first time. You hold that baby. Your soul magnifies that baby. And you feel it and you, you delight. There's this joy. Friend, do you have that in God? Has your soul, have you ever worshipped, delighted and treasured God from your soul, from your heart, from your spirit? That's what Mary's doing here. She, she is not doing what the Pharisees do. Who worship God with their lips. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. <laughs> how, how do we sing? Joy. Pray for that. That, that. That's a miracle to have that though. You realize that. You can't fake that. You can't fake that. You can't fake joy in God. If you don't have it, pray for it. I find myself praying for it all the time. Lord, I love this thing more than you. I love this person more than you. I'm more, I'm more delighted in this happening in my life than I am in you. Forgive me, God. Have mercy on me. And grant me to delight in you, God. Grant me that joy. Grant me to magnify you with my soul and my spirit. That's what Mary's doing. She, she's worshiping God with her inner being, with her heart. And that's what God desires. Not going through the motions. Not just mouthing things. But a true heart worship. And she rejoices in God her Savior. Verse 47. Again, Mary needed a Savior. She needed saved from sin. And beloved, notice in the next chapter who's called Savior. Mary calls God her Savior. Luke 2.11, the angel says, For unto you to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What does that mean? Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He, he is the Savior. He is the Lord. The God is the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is God. And beloved, notice Mary's worship focuses on God. Who He is and what He's done. All the high favor and grace Mary had was a gift from God. There are seven He has's in verses 46 to 55. I want to read it sort of emphasizing God here. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. 
My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is His name. And His mercy is for all those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. That's a big word called anthropomorphism. It means that, 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 that God in, in His Word uh, sometimes attributes uh, human characteristics to Himself so that we can understand because He talks to us in baby talk. I'm told by these really smart theologians that the whole Bible is analogical talk. God uh, reaching down to us like, like we do with babies, goo goo gaga, so that we can understand what He's saying. Right? That, that's, God doesn't have an arm. He's a spirit and has not a body like men. But, but it's talking about His might in ways that we can understand. And so you see those bodybuilders with those big old arms. They can't compare with God. Uh, shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich. He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in the remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and His offspring forever. Mary's worship is God-centered. God-centered. As one has said, what... What is the most important thing about you is what comes into your mind when you think about God. Mary's worship is God-centered. God's mighty and merciful reversals for us in Christ, who is God, enable us, enable us, and move us to true heart worship that magnifies God. Fear God, humility, trust, joy, prayer, praise, poetry, songs, and love. God's mercy forms and fuels true worship. God, we're told, has looked on the humble estate of His slave Mary. Verse 48. Beloved, Mary is a young, poor peasant girl. In the eyes of the world, she is a nobody. But this is who God chooses. How many of you are here this morning and feel like a nobody? Feel forgotten? Feel alone? Feel unloved, unwanted. God wants you. God wants you. God chose this merry, young, poor, peasant, girl, nobody, to do His will. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Beloved, this is God's great reversal that we see all over this song that Mary praises God for. God's great reversals. 1 Corinthians 1, 25-29 For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you uh, were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. This is God's reversal. He does it this way. He chooses the lowly. He chooses the weak and shows His strength. That, that song Ted taught me, I'm just a nobody, trying to tell everybody about a somebody who can save anybody. 
And that's Mary when she's singing. Mary does note that she will be called blessed by all generations. Verse 48. And beloved, I'll say it again, it is an amazing gift to be chosen to bear the God-man. She says, God who is mighty has done great things for me. He has shown strength with His arm. Verse 51. What has God done for her that's so mighty? God has overshadowed her with the Holy Spirit so that the God-man, Jesus Christ, is conceived in her womb. God has kept all of His promises to Israel. God has sent the Savior who would save His people from their sins. God who is mighty has done this. He's, he's done what our brains can't even comprehend. I, I wonder if you were reading, as you were reading that Athanasian Creed, you're like, how does that work? He, Jesus is God, the Father's God, the Spirit's God, but not, not three gods, but one God. That sort of stretches your brain, don't it? Because God's bigger than us. God is infinite. We're finite. It should make sense to us that <laughs> some of these doctrines in the Bible are past knowing and explaining because God is past knowing and explaining. God has done mighty work in sending His Son to take on flesh. It's amazing. God has done this. God has done great things for her and for us. And He's shown His strength. Children, remember the song, Our God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing our God cannot do. That's right. Some of us adults need that. We need that. Our God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing our God cannot do. That's right. God's mighty and merciful reversals for us in Christ enable us and move us to true heart worship that magnifies God Fear of God, humility, trust, joy, prayer, praise, poetry, songs, and love. God's mercy forms and fuels true worship. Notice that Mary says God's name is holy in verse 49. Mary declares that God is set apart. He is set apart. He is like no other. He is pure. He is perfect. He is without sin. There's no one like Him. John Piper says God's holiness is the infinite value as the absolute, unique, morally perfect, permanent person that is and who by grace made Himself accessible. It's the infinite manifold perfections of His being. He's holy. He's without rival. There is no one like Him. He's the Holy One of Isaiah 6. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty and the whole earth is filled with Your glory. God is holy. He's a holy God. And she says God's mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation in verse 50. She speaks of the truths of what Nehemiah spoke of in Nehemiah 1.11. O Lord, let Your ear be attentive to the prayer of Your servant and to the prayer of Your servants who delight to fear Your name and give success to Your servant today and grant Him mercy in the sight of this man. Habakkuk 3.2 spoke of fearing God and receiving mercy. O oh Lord, I have heard the report of You and Your work. O oh Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. Remember mercy. And I love Psalm 147.11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him. In those who hope in His mercy. 
What does it mean to fear God? What does it mean to fear God? Yes, it's reverence. Yes, it's awe. Yes, it's to be amazed by Him. But it's also to fear Him. I don't like it when theologians and pastors minimize the fear of God by saying it's, it's just reverence and respect. I think that's dead wrong. <laughs> I think God should make us tremble. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Who does God look? The one who trembles at His Word. Tremble! Tremble! That means shake from fear. Ever do that to God? You ever come face to face with the holy so much that He shakes you? Martin Luther did. I don't know that I have, but I should pray that God would. We should pray that God would make us tremble and fear Him. Fear means fear. Mark 4.41 They were afraid they were going to die in the storm. Remember the disciples? They were afraid they were going to die in the boat, the wind. These were, these were fishermen. These were, 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 they were experienced men of the sea. They'd seen storms. They knew what it was like to be in a storm. But this storm, they were afraid they were going to die. They were afraid they were going to die. Jesus made them more afraid. Mark 4.41 when Jesus stood up and said, peace be still, and the wind stopped, this, it says this about the disciples. They were filled with great fear. <laughs> great fear. And said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? Jesus said to His disciples in Matthew 10, 28, and do not fear those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him. Why, Jesus? Why should I fear Him? Because He can kill both your soul and body in hell. Is there any fear of God in the world today? We should fear God. For He's a consuming fire. And for the believer, for the believer, there is great joy in fearing God. Did you notice that in Nehemiah? Who delight to fear your name? There's a joy in fearing God because you know that He is for you. His wrath is, 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 is taken away in Christ. So, so, so it's, it's almost like, like you're, you're in the middle of this hurricane that is just tearing up everything in its path. A tornado. You see those big tornadoes and it just rips things apart. 200 mile an hour winds or whatever. And just destruction everywhere. And you, you see that and it causes you to fear. And tremble. That's power. But in Christ, in Christ, you're covered. Like you're in this indestructible uh, 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 see-through glass ball that nothing can hurt. And you, you, you're, you're trembling at the majestic power of this thing. But you're safe. You're so safe. Inside the ball because God is for you. God protects you. God watches over you. And so there's a delight in fearing God. The mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. And, and, and God, uh, Mary says that God has scattered the proud in the strength 
uh, of their in the thoughts of their hearts. God has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Verse 51, again, beloved, this reversal. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God has always done this, and He will especially do it through the Son of God Mary will bear. This great reversal is going on. We see it throughout this, this song. He, he scatters the proud. He brings low the mighty. He, 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 he sends out the rich empty. There's a great reversal. Jesus praised His Father for this reversal. In Luke 10, 21, in the same hour, He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank You, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that You have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was Your gracious will. God will scatter the proud. He will humble the proud and give grace to the humble. God's mighty and merciful reversals for us in Christ enable us and move us to true heart worship that magnifies God, fear God, humility, trust, prayer, joy, praise, poetry, songs, and love. God's mercy forms and fuels true worship. God has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Verse 52. Again, that great reversal. God is bringing down the mighty from their thrones. Think of Nebuchadnezzar. Remember Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel? He said, I've done all this. I've made this great kingdom. I've done this. I've done this. I, 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 me, 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 me. And what does God do? He drives him out like a madman. For years and years and years, he grows these long claws and long hair and he, he loses his mind. And God humbles him. He brings down the mighty. And then he brings Nebuchadnezzar back in Daniel 4, 34 and 35. So he confesses this at the end of the days. I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? 1 Corinthians 1, 18-19 For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Phil Riken writes, The person he exalts is the humble servant who does his will. The person he humbles is the powerful leader who refuses to acknowledge his need for God. We see this happen all the way through the Gospel of Luke. The rich man goes to hell while the poor man is carried home to be with the people of God. The prayers of the self-righteous Pharisee are denied, but the sinful tax collector goes home justified. As Jesus said, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. At the end of the gospel comes the greatest reversal of all. God the Son, who had once humbled himself to become a man and then to endure the painful, shameful death of the cross is raised from the dead in triumph. Having humbled Himself, He is exalted. And Mary says, Beloved, God has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. Another great reversal. God has filled the hungry with good things. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. God has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich He has sent away Empty. God provides physical food for His people. We see that throughout the Old Testament. He provided manna for His people Israel in the wilderness. He provided ravens to bring bread and meat to Elijah. 
But even more importantly, God provides spiritual food. Beloved, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. John 6, 31 and 33 and 35. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Beloved, God scatters the proud. He brings low the mighty. He sends the rich away empty. This is a great reversal that God is doing in Christ to save His people from their sins and glorify His Father. Jesus sends the rich away empty. Luke 6, 24. But woe to you, Jesus said, who are rich, for you have received your consolation. The rich young ruler walked away from Jesus empty, losing everything because he loved his money more than Christ. And the rich man Lazarus the rich man goes to heaven, or excuse me, goes to hell, and Lazarus goes to heaven. Jesus warned in Matthew 6, store up treasures in heaven and not on earth. And finally, beloved, God has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to their fathers, to Abraham and to His offspring forever. Mary praises God that He's helped His servant Israel. He's remembered His mercy. That he spoke about to their fathers, to Abraham, his offspring forever. Do you remember what God said to Abram in Genesis 12? In you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Galatians 3 8 and 13 through 14 and 29 in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel before him to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who's hanging on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Mary praises and magnifies God that He's kept His promise to Abraham that she might be saved, that we might be saved because Jesus was cursed for us. God's mighty and merciful reversals for us in Christ enable us and move us to true heart worship that magnifies God, fear of God, humility, trust, joy, Prayer, praise, poetry, songs, and love. God's mercy forms and fuels true worship. And beloved, what are God's greatest reversals? The incarnation. The incarnation. That God the Son, in all glory, in might, and power, and beauty, would come down and be among us and take on human flesh and dwell among us. His death on the cross. What a reversal that is. What a reversal that is. That the King of glory would be stripped down naked and suffer the wrath of God and the hatred of men for our salvation. And then how about that reversal of the resurrection? He's dead. 
He's cursed by God. The Bible says a man hanging on a tree is cursed by God. And they think it's over. They think it's over. But he rises. He rises from the dead. God's yes and amen to all that he did is sufficient to save sinners and glorify God. And then, the one who stoops so low, who's hanging on a tree and the thief says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What a reversal it is from that point when he's hanging on a tree naked, dying, bearing the wrath of God and the wrath of men. And he's enthroned in heaven as the king that by faith the thief saw with all power and authority to rule and reign forever. As one has said, beloved, he's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's a warrior. He's coming back with fire in his eyes and a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. And people will cry for the rocks to fall and to shield them from the wrath of the Lamb. And it's best that we fear him that we might have mercy. Christ is the Lord to magnify. Like telescopes, enlarge your eye to see what's big far in the sky. No one's greater than Christ on high. Therefore we sing and praise for I. He's power, mighty. That is why the virgin's blessed with child and thy son, the incarnation, my Savior, God-man came to die, then rise alive to death defy. So we in hell shall never fry. By faith alone, we're just and cry. Hallelujah, praises fly. Scatters the proud who've gone awry. Lifts up the humble by and by. Fills the hungry, full supply. The rich He sends away, deny. His mercy's great if you rely on Him alone for joy nigh. For He is all we magnify. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the incarnation. We thank you for Mary praising you in this song and showing us how to truly worship you aright. Father, we want this. You are mighty God. You are merciful. You have done so many amazing reversals for us in Christ. And through that, we're enabled to worship you, to know you, We're moved to true heart worship. Move us, God, to true heart worship that magnifies You. God, grant us to truly fear You. Grant us true humility. God, some of us in this room are begging You for reversals in our lives. Help us trust You that You can do the impossible. God, grant what we're asking according to Your will. God, grant us joy in You more than in anything else. God, move us to pray to You and show our humility and reliance upon You in our prayer life. Move us to praise You as You deserve. God, move us. Move some of us to write poetry and songs. Move all of us to sing and praise You. God, move us to love You with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. For Your mercy fuels and forms true worship. God, grant us to worship You truly. Lord, we thank You that You came for sinners. We thank You that You came for the unfaithful. And so we pray that even as we sing this song, we would sing it prayerfully. That we would come as we know we've been unfaithful in 2023. And we come to a great Savior who saves unfaithful sinners. And we pray, God, we want to be more faithful in 2024. So please do that for us. For Jesus' sake, amen.